This is the Village Church Q&A podcast, where our goal is to create digital, shareable, and helpful content to make disciples who will go, grow, and overcome. Hey, Village Church. Welcome back to the Village Church Q&A podcast. Pastor Tim and Pastor Michael with you. And listeners, we're going to be talking about the trends that we are personally seeing in the Church of America and the Worldwide Church. We talked a little bit about trends at Village Church yesterday, but now we're going to broaden the scope a little bit and just talk about what are we seeing happening in the bigger church, the Worldwide and America Church. Yeah, let's start negative. Oh, yes. There we go. Uh, (laughs) Number one is liberalism. Oh, my goodness. So I want to be clear because there is the story that the media tells, sure. and then there is the reality. Mm-hmm. So the story that the media tells, which is convenient for the pop culture machine's agenda to liberalize everybody and to take their social and sexual ethic and ram it down the people's throats and right. say, conform or we will ostracize you. Got mm-hmm. it. The story is that that the liberal churches are being celebrated for their liberalism. And the conservative churches are irrelevant and bigoted, okay? Correct. which is a convenient that, narrative. Yeah, but, that, that's the spin that, that's happening. But even uh, social or liberal social scientists who are studying these trends will tell you these things with certainty. The liberal church is not just dying slowly, but is dying a rapid, yes. rapid death. So, for example, um, there was a church that I think it was just yesterday the news came out and it's two lesbian co-pastors in Washington, D.C. are going to be taking over this historic D.C. church. What they okay. don't tell you is that it's an incredibly small church and part of an irrelevant denomination sure. that has no influence anywhere. Right. And it's historic because of its – we'll just say it's historic because of its glory days 100 years ago. Yes, years so, and years and years ago. So that narrative celebrates that. But now what what social scientists are saying also is that the conservative evangelical church is exploding. Yes. And it's not just transfer growth, that this is actually a segment of the American population that is increasing. Now, Mm -hmm. there are other things that are decreasing. So uh, young people will say 35 and under, by and large, statistically, uh, generation to generation are going to church less, have less spirituality Correct. in terms of uh, religious spirituality than previous generations got. It. So there are some negative trends here, but one of the most discouraging trends for me is not necessarily liberalism, but it is the lie of the extent of liberalism yes. that the church is believing. Now, as I say that, when you look at the numbers, okay, it's not as terrible as maybe we're concerned it is. Mm-hmm. The, the really scary part is what is happening to 30s and unders right now. Yeah. That is where the real battle is. So that would be my next, I say, I would say just American negative trend mm-hmm. is um, kids who grew up in the church are abandoning a conservative biblical ethic and approach to scripture because they don't see the Bible as relevant on sexual issues. Sure. I'll break it down like this. When you open up the Bible, I know some of our audience won't agree with me. Fine. When you open up the Bible, it's really clear on sexuality. Absolutely. Like you got to try to, <laughs> to make it say something. Like if you went back in time to the person writing it and said, mm-hmm. oh yeah, same-sex marriage can be a whole union before God. Paul would laugh at you and all the Jews say would no. laugh at you and say, that is insane, yep. okay? So the, the biblical message intuitively we know is really clear. And then you get this 15-year-old 
whose friend is transgender, whose yep. uh, best friend is a lesbian, whose good friend at school, he's a homosexual man, has been ostracized by the church. And, and those are real. Like this is mm -hmm. a real story for the 15-year-old in your home. And then he goes to church and they say, you can't be a Christian and do these things, which may be absolutely what the Bible teaches. Yes. But here's their problem. They're friends yes. or the Bible. Yeah, they are trying to compare what the Bible says to what they're experiencing in their yeah. personal life and what the social pressure is on them yeah. right then. And, and they have to choose. Yeah. So they look at their friends and then here's the cultural social lie that they buy into. And the, and the cultural lie is, well, if it doesn't hurt anybody— then what's the problem? Mm -hmm. So I'm 15, year, 15 years old. I look at this, my friend, my best friend, it doesn't hurt anybody. Culture says it's okay. The government sure. has sanctioned it. These bigots over here. And they're, so when the, then they open up the Bible and they realize right away the Bible is not convenient, mm -hmm. nor does it share the liberal sexual ethic. And so they abandon slowly, piece by piece, the authority of the word of God. Right. And it, it starts with a sexual, uh, irrelevant, seemingly irrelevant sexual ethic with young people. And that is the place where they abandon the mm -hmm. authority of scripture. And once that is abandoned, it's a domino effect. And they move down toward, towards total liberalism yeah. eventually. For me, one of the most discouraging trends in American the American church is the evangelical youth are buying the lies buying of culture. Lies. That is one of the most discouraging trends. And they, what concerns me is... In the American church, we know that the liberal church is slowly and sometimes quickly dying uh, in numerical numbers, mm -hmm. and yet the ev evangelical church is growing. Yep. But what concerns me is within that evangelical church, because of the cultural trends and because of the cultural pressure, they might have a, a mental theology that is more biblical, but a lifestyle and and practical theology is much more liberal than mm -hmm. what, what they know to be true. And it concerns me because you, people live out what they believe, and they might say, well, yes, I believe in marriage, but you know, I'm going to live with my girlfriend or my boyfriend until we can figure out whether we're really compatible. Yep. It, that, those are the things that concerns me. That's just an example of the things that, that I'm talking about. Yep. Uh, let's go positive. So yeah. the last seven years, uh, the church has hyper-focused on the centrality of the gospel mm -hmm. as, and the authority of the word of God that has been a dividing line for churches. And I think this this tend towards liberalism has actually been one of the greatest gifts to the church. Yes. Because the reality of right doctrine, uh, the reality of what is the gospel, what is the authority of the word of God, Churches are now forced to decide. Yes. Not only that, but even the churches who decide that God's word is authoritative and they're conservative, now they have to decide, will I preach on it? Yeah. And there's another dividing line. So I have appreciated the social pressure because mm -hmm. it has exposed pastors. It's exposed exposed elder boards. It's exposed denominations. Yes. It's exposed seminaries. Everybody's been exposed. Mm -hmm. And now you kind of just get to see what you're working with. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, good to know. You don't have guts. Oh, good to know. You got serious guts, man. That yes. was like, that was a hard one. And I appreciate it. Yeah. You got guts, but you're a jerk. <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, you know, and, and so, yes. and we're, no, 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 it's perfect. Don't get me right. wrong. But like, it, it just kind of allows all of us to see what we're really made yeah, of. And it really brings to the surface what, what a church, what a seminary, what a college, what a person really holds to. Yep. I uh, was talking with a young guy who has ministry aspirations. It was about two weeks ago. And I said, 
I said, are you looking for a position? He goes, yeah, I'm looking for a position. So my response to him was, um, okay, um, well, what kind of church are you looking for? It doesn't mm -hmm. matter any mm -hmm. kind of church. That's the really first question well, I have too. It does matter what kind of church. Yeah. So I said to him, let me just start with this. Where are you? And I said, I don't care what your answer is. I'm just trying to help you figure this out, right? Yep. Trying to be a good counselor. I said, where do you stand on homosexuality, gender, marriage, and life? Mm -hmm. And he goes, well, I could fit into any church's Whoa. system. And I look at the kid and I'm like, I just said to him, yeah, I said, look, I have a problem with that. liberal churches won't hire you. Conservative churches won't hire you. And the conservative churches who won't make a stand, they won't hire you. Mm -hmm. Because the first questions you're going to get asked now is where you stand in these issues. Because these are the make it or break it moments. Where you stand on these issues yeah. determines the entire trajectory of your theological sure. development. And he was like, oh, interesting. I've never considered that. And I said, well, let me just warn you. Do not apply for a church until you can articulate with a clean conscience mm -hmm. where you're at on these issues. And if a church will hire you knowing you have not concluded on these issues, know they're a liberal church. And that that's where you want to be. That's where you want to be. Mm -hmm. I'm just telling you that anybody who hasn't concluded and is holding all of this like open, right? You're going to go liberal. Yeah. Okay. That's just what's going to happen 99.9% sure. of the time. And uh, he walked away and I think he was actually encouraged because he's like, now I have a next step now. But what it, he didn't realize, but which is a trend, is that these are now the first lines of questions. Right. These are not the so yeah, what's, oh, by the yes. way. Yeah, these are the interview questions of churches. Yep. And I appreciate that. It's the interview question for liberal churches, and it's the interview question for, sure. for conservative churches. Um, and then, so that's that's kind of in America, but and I would say briefly worldwide, um, I am discouraged by Europe and the liberalism and the death of the church in Europe, but encouraged by the growth of the church in Asia and South America. Yeah. When church growth people, when they are actually studying what is God doing in the global church, they are seeing amazing things happen in Asia, yep. in South America, in Africa. God is doing some incredible things. They, those churches are engaging culture. They are being much more intentional about their evangelism and their discipleship. The church is thriving in those continents. Yep. We know that the church is is dying, if not completely, we know it's not completely dead because we have the promise of God's word. Europe's a graveyard for but, churches. But it's a graveyard. Yep. What the church has done in Europe has abandoned the biblical teachings yep. and they have gone liberal and they have suffered the consequences. My concern is, is America going to go in that same trend? I, I hope not. Yeah, I don't see that. I see yeah. elements of that, but I see that there is enough hardcore biblical teachers and preachers and churches and seminaries and people that are holding to the foundations of the Christian faith in America that I don't believe that's going to happen. So there's a, a one-liner that um, is going to actually throw our legacy series that we're preaching through now. It's going to carry us through each of the weeks. And it's um, what one generation assumes the second generation neglects. Mm, the third mm -hmm. generation rejects. Yes. In Europe, that's where you're at. You're at that with a lot of families in America. Yep. Um, a lot of churches, right? They're on your third generation of rejecting the gospel. Yes. But there are so many gospel-centered, gospel-preaching churches that are under the authority of the word of God and right. are bringing a lot of glory to Jesus and they're growing. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how many generations we could be away. But because there is so much passion for this and that movement is growing, it may not be going as growing as fast as as we'll say non-religious people are growing, sure. but it is not shrinking numerically. It's mm -hmm. still growing, even though it's becoming a percentage-wise less of the total population. But uh, there is still massive hope 
that the church in America will not be just destroyed like it has been right. in Europe. And I, that for me is optimistic. Yeah, I, I, I and agree. One of the most optimistic trends for me, and then and then because we can close with this, is is in America, the perspective on children amongst we'll say non-Christians and liberals versus conservative Christians is different. Mm -hmm. And when you're having on average 1.2 kids per family as a liberal and the Christians are having three or Mm -hmm. four Mm -hmm. or five or six, well, guess what? In two generations, that those numbers change. Yes. And when you have the growth, so for example, it requires 2.1 kids per family for a couple to replace themselves in their worldview. Correct. If you have two children, you have not replaced your worldview. Mm-hmm. If you have had one child, you have not replaced your worldview. It requires over two children for your worldview to be replaced and to grow mm-hmm. in the next generation. Well, by and large, even though there are frustrating stats amongst Christians not having as many kids, Statistically, they're having way more kids than liberals, right. way more kids than mm-hmm. non-Christians. And so it takes one or two generations of intentionality with childbearing to watch an entire culture change. Yes. What I'm encouraged by right now are um, millennials, pers- Christian millennials' perspective on raising kids. Yeah. They may have grown up entitled, but it's interesting. They don't want to give that entitlement away right. to their kids. They, it's they, a very tricky yeah, thing. That's exactly right. And it's really interesting that those millennials that have grown up in that entitlement mentality that, you know, when there's when they're playing sports, that every child gets a trophy even for participating. Yeah. They see that the this makes no sense. Yep. And they don't want to perpetuate that yep, in their own not. children. They're not. And it, it is it is so encouraging to see the number of millennials that have walked away from the faith in their teenage years who start having children or start having a family, then start having children. And then they say, you know what? We got to get back to the real roots yep. of, of who who we are and what we know to be true. I, I am very encouraged. And that's why I look a couple generations down the road in America and worldwide to see if if the evangelical church can really obey um, God's communication and expectations on the family. Mm-hmm. That is where cultures hinge. Those are the hinge points of yeah. cultures. And every generation cannot ever assume that the gospel will be handed off to the next. We have to fight for it. Well, listeners, thanks for joining us today. Let's change the subject a little bit, and we're going in a different direction tomorrow. The question will be, why did the Israelites wander in the desert for 40 years? 